Blog Talk Radio. That's all means. It is now 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday evening. Welcome back to episode number two of the DLU podcast. I'm your host, Derek T. Lewis. And um, once again, welcome. I just want to thank you guys for last week's show. Just rave reviews about the show, um, just everything. You know, it wasn't just about me, but just the overall presentation. My guest, Tanya Thompson, last week, like I said, just knocked it completely out of the park. And I want to thank every individual that took the time to go to the DLoop podcast page on blogtalkradio.com and leave your wonderful comments. I was completely humbled, truly humbled and truly blessed that I was able to get the feedback that I did, and I hope that this is the start of some great, great things. But I wanted to let everybody know, if you want to call in, if you're, if you're um, on the fence of either listening to the, on, on the web or on the phone, you can listen via your, tele, your cell phone at uh, 347-857-2824. Okay, you can definitely listen to your uh, via your phone. Um, I wanted to do something a little bit different. Obviously, you know, me wanting to get this show to where I want it to be, obviously I have to evolve, I have to do different things to make it a little interesting. And uh, what I decided to do was uh, start up the show every week with a quote of the week. And my quote of the week is simply this, and this is by uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And I just want that to resonate for just a little bit. And um, it really hits home because a lot of times, you know, we're out and uh, we, we sometimes want to, you know, live our lives based on how people judge us and everything. But you are in, you're in control and you're in, you actually have the power to feel how you want to feel. So I just wanted to give you all some uh, 411 on uh, how I'm feeling this week. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Um. Today was about 66 degrees um, in, in, in pretty much in the uh, tri-state area today, and I was completely floored by the warm weather. I have been waiting for this for months. Last week you heard me and Tanya talking about how uh, extremely cold it's been, all the snow. You know, I was, it was nice to get 66 degrees, but apparently we're supposed to be getting some, uh, some cold weather, I think, tomorrow, and I'm really not happy about that. But, again, nice little teaser for spring. We're, we're uh, what was it, uh, just about another week and a half away from spring. So let's hope and pray that this whole winter, whatever it is, is gone forever after this last bit of snow or cold that we're supposed to get. But I wanted to talk about uh, one thing that's been in the – I mean, I know we're going to do the deal of news later on in the show, but of something that's been really bothering me on the last couple of days or so is I'm pretty sure everyone's uh, up to see what's going on. This whole Malaysia Airlines deal, Flight 370, that took off, at about 1 a.m. their local time, Saturday, which is 12 p.m. our time, when the plane disappeared somewhere between Malaysia and Vietnam, since then teams of searches from Vietnam, China, Singapore, Indonesia, the United States, Thailand, 
Australia, and the Philippines, and New Zealand have been working alongside Malaysians to score the Gulf of Thailand, a part of South China Sea that lies between several southeastern Asian countries. The focus has now shifted to the Andaman Sea near Thailand's border. After radar, uh, the data indicated that the plane may have turned around to head back to the Kuala Lumpur, but the pilot apparently gave no signal to authorities that he was turning around. I mean, this is just flat-out scary because if you're, if you're these people's families, I mean, you have to be sitting on eggshells every second of the day. And, I mean, I hope that, you know, I, mean, I don't want to fear the worst, but I'm just hoping that, the, you know, something comes about so that some type of closure can happen. But also, too, there's now something coming up with apparently there were stolen passports, and I'm just like, what now? You know, what more can we do to add more hectic, you know, hectic situations at airs now where they have to do more security check when you fly? I know I flew to Miami about a year and a half ago, and that was the first time I had gotten on an airplane in about 15 years. So you can only imagine the amount of uh, culture shock it was for me, you know, being, you know, going through that whole security check that airlines now have, you know, each airport has to go through now. So, again, I just hope that some type of resolution is done with this and, you know, these families can somewhat be at ease, and I'm pretty sure it's not, not a good situation with these families. But on this show tonight, um, as, I, as I've been promoting the last uh, several days now, we're going to have actor, model, Rico King. And um, this is a dude that I've known um, quite, you know, for a couple of years, and he and I work together, and we're going to tell stories about our um, – you know, the, the job that we've done together in the acting world, but he's also going to give you some insight on the modeling world as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a small break, and I mean very small break, and we'll be right back with more with the d Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Oh. Oh. What's up, everyone? Thanks for checking out the D-Loop Podcast. The show is live on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, here on Blog Talk Radio. You can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash the D-Loop Podcast, and you can listen to the show live as it happens, and you can listen to the archives on DerekTLewis.com. You can also subscribe to the D-Loop Podcast on iTunes, and shows are uploaded immediately following each live show. Thanks for your support, and remember, the D-Loop Podcast is where radio is home. Hey guys, if you like pro wrestling and if you like radio shows, then check out Monster Factory Radio, hosted by Danny Cage on blogtalkradio.com. You'll hear updates on their upcoming shows, exclusive interviews with guys on their current roster, and hear from guys who train at the world-famous Larry Sharp's Monster Factory Wrestling School that went on to wrestle for companies like Ring of Honor, ECW, WCW, and WWE. You can go on to blogtalkradio.com and iTunes and search for Monster Factory Radio and subscribe to their show. So what are you waiting for? Do it now! Come along if you feel like a 
guys, we're back. We're back to the podcast, and um, I am happy. Yes, I'm happy this show is up and running, um, second episode in. And um, by the way, that is a catchy song. I was hanging out with my mom this weekend, and she asked that I have that on my iPhone, and I said, yeah, I did. She had requested this, to hear that song at least ten times. Mom, if you're listening, I love you very much. Anyways, I have online right now my guest of the week, um, no, again, this is a guy that I've known for a couple of years, like I said before, and he agreed to come onto the show without any questions asked. And I want to welcome to the DLU podcast, Rico King. Rico, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you, Derek? Doing great, man. Hey, man, listen, enjoy. Like I said earlier, I was enjoying this weather out here. It was uh, 66 degrees. It was a high, I believe. And, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better day as a pre as a, as a preview of greater things to come in the next couple of months. Because I got to tell you, like I said, I know I've been complaining about the cold weather, but you know, considering the winter we've endured this year, a lot of people are going to be very appreciative of some warmer days. I got to got to say that out there. Oh, definitely, man. I mean, people are jumping at the chance to throw on light jackets right now and shorts. You know, just a just a preview of what's to come, man. I'm, I'm tired of the snow, just as everyone else is. I'm serious. I'm serious, man. Well, again, um, like I said, we're just going to just, for a just shoot the breeze here and just kind of just see what you've been up to. You know, the last, you know, obviously yeah. you've been doing a lot of great things, you know, in the acting and the modeling world, and I wanted to highlight just the things you've been doing. So right off the bat, um, I just wanted to just ask you, um, where did you grow up? Where did where um, where are you actually from originally? Well, originally, okay, I grew up in Indiana and Kentucky. So uh, to be more specific, uh New Albany, Indiana, and Louisville, Kentucky. So um, shout out to everyone out there, uh, which is commonly known as Kentuckiana. So it's a culmination of those two places together, New Albany, Indiana, and Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, wow. So um, you grew up in some really some really nice, calm areas. Obviously, growing up in the Midwest in Indiana, with, how far <laughs> is New Albany from, uh, like, Indianapolis or uh, or Gary? How far is it from there? It's pretty far. You know what? In fact, I've never been to Gary, Indiana. I just know that whenever that's brought up, people think of Michael Jackson, and I haven't ever been to that that place in my life. But uh, just to touch on what you just said about it being calm, I know that if people are tuned in right now from back home, which they probably are, and they heard you say that, that probably got a round of applause and and, and some laughter tracks after that because... <laughs> The area I grew up in, it wasn't that calm, but uh, it had it has its um you know like any other place it has its good parts and bad parts, and exactly. um yeah man I'm just glad that that's my roots and that's where I'm from, and I was exposed to uh, a lot of good things and a lot of bad things both so you know I ended up growing up pretty good I had a wonderful childhood and I can't complain and I am the man that I am now because I am from there. Okay, well, good, good, good to hear. Cause I, I know a lot of times, you know, I, I grew up in the Northeast, so whenever I think of these states, like, you know, Indiana, when I think of Kentucky, I think of nice and, you know, blue sky, powder blue skies and clouds and, you know, in the Midwest, the air is clean and all those things. Like, you think that, you know, just being from another different part of the country, a different part of the country, so if you're highlighting that as far as, you know, the person that makes, you know, the alley, those things has made you are what you are today. Um, so what is your nationality? Well, my background, I'm Panamanian and African-American. Um, my daddy's from, he's from Panama. Uh, he's over there. 
Shout out to my dad. And my mom, she's from the U.S. Okay. Okay, good. All right, now, um, now in high school, you know, growing up in Indiana and in Kentucky, did you play any sports in high school? Uh, sports in high school, no, but um, I wrestled, I ran track, played football, basketball. I did all that before high school. High school was when I found my calling for entertainment, like drama class. I was a, a DJ in dancing, okay. sing, rapping. Uh, I had a rap group uh, all through high school called Kazo. So shout okay. out to everybody. Like two phases of that. So it's I was just like the Beyonce of the group. Some people made it the cut. Some people went on to do other things, you know. <laughs> but I always remain. <laughs> he said the Beyonce of the group. Wow. That's another quote of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Rico King. <laughs> Wow. It was built around me. Even even the rehearsals were held in my basement, so <laughs> that's how that goes. Listen, yeah, we were here's the thing. Kids. Right, I mean, look look at every rock band that's ever been out, every rap group that's ever been out, any R&B group. It all starts in someone's basement. You, you need rehearsal space. I mean, come on, and it's free. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it, it is what it is with that. Um, so you, I remember season. Quick, real quick, Derek. I remember a time my mom, uh, she was picking us up, picking the people up that uh, lived across the bridge, like I said, in Louisville, Kentucky, when I was in Indiana. And there was a time, you know, after after doing it so much, she was like, look, you're going to have to start having them divvy in for some gas money or something because I can't Uh-oh. just be going across the bridge all the time picking people up. And just smiling and everything like it's okay. So I was I thought about implementing a a rule to pay dues and that didn't go over well at all. So, <laughs> but yeah, oh. man, I, I tried to do what I could do to make it easy on her. But she was she was great about it and and uh, we had a good time. It was a good good time in my life, Kazo, definitely. Okay, so now you're saying obviously say you played all sports before high school and everything, and and ultimately that was leading you. You know, as far as entertainment was your calling once you got to high school. Now, when did you decide to become a model, and what was it that convinced you to do it? Oh, okay. When I when did I decide to become a model? Mhm. Well, I'd say I decided to become a model about two years ago, maybe a little bit more after um, I got fired from my regular job. I had one of those, you know, nine to five, caught up in the matrix, wake up go, <laughs> sit right. down, drink, pull up, drink, same thing over and over again, you know. But um, I did that for a while, and then um, my heart, my heart just wasn't in it, and they seen it, and they let me go. So um, I, I would be at work thinking of what I'm doing now. So, you know, it manifested itself to the surface, and it just people just started to notice in the um, higher positions. And, you know, I was called back in the office, and uh, I just didn't give too many Fs about it, you know, but I, I, didn't, I just operated off of sheer talent. It didn't take much for me to survive and, and do my numbers and hit quotas and all that stuff. But, you know, that, that stuff reads, people can read in between the lines, and I just knew my time was coming to an end, so I was just gearing myself up for what was next, which was everything that I'm doing now, what I was thinking about and, and uh, brought it to life. Uh, my friends... I credit them for com- 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 for convincing me to do it. So, um, yeah, like Major Dodge, um, Marty West, 
Freddie Figs, they were all instrumental in uh, showing me the way, like how to do it and stuff, because they did it before me. And having them, having having their uh, examples to walk their path was pretty much, you know, an easy step out the box for me. You know, my comfort zone of uh, doing the regular nine to five thing to doing what I'm doing now. So they they used to invite me to a lot of parties, which I would go to sometimes. They exposed me to like the modeling lifestyle firsthand, and uh, I didn't right. know what what it was really like until I hung out with them more. So and then I've, I've you know I started doing it, man. Once the opportunity presented itself, I was like, well, this is it. So. No, no looking back. Let's just go full speed ahead. I haven't stopped since, man. Wow, that's and you know what's amazing? Like I was explaining um, to the listeners last week, um, as far as how I got into radio, was because you know obviously my friend of ENT was he saw something in me where I didn't see it at all. I'm like I I don't have a voice for radio. I didn't really feel as I had what it took or didn't have anything to offer it. And the same thing as you, your friends obviously that were they were very successful in the modeling endeavor saw something in you and you know what I mean that's a beautiful thing where people want to you know see you know because sometimes you know people want to discourage you from doing things but we also have to appreciate those that really see something in us that want to that want to see us go far so that's a good thing to have your friends you know definitely look you out and say hey you know this is something you I, I could definitely see you doing you should definitely look into it and you know without price or anything and I think that's a, that's, a, that's a very very good thing so and sure yeah it sure is I agree Definitely. Now, obviously, like I said, we've, we've been friends a while, and like I said, I have to do my research and everything. Now, I know I've seen you on a couple of some, a couple of um, novels. You were on a cover of some novels recently. So tell us some more about how that process is in getting on that end in regards to being on the cover of a novel. That has to be a good thing, man. Yeah, it's it's a very rewarding thing. Um, it's, it's really – let me share a story with you real quick. Um, I was sent sure. on a casting – Regular casting, like I always do. I'm in the city um, at least four times a week. And uh, one of the castings I was for a romance novel by a popular author from um, Florida. Her name's Brenda Jackson. And okay. um, I was sent up, sent on that casting by an agency. I was there amongst um, a lot of good-looking guys, of course, uh, that they were considering. And um, I didn't get called back. So that's how it went. I did my due diligence, you know, I went to the casting, and um, that was it. I was just, you know, out of sight, out of mind, on to the next. So um, right. never, never heard from them again. And uh, something just told me, you know, go the extra mile. And um, I went on this website, popular website called Model Mayhem, and I just started filtering out um, what I was looking for. And then... What popped up was um, a romance novel casting, and I noticed that it was for the same author. So um, I resubmitted, and it was for a different book. And um, I got called in by the photographer, and he liked me. We hit it off really well. His name was George. His name is George Kerrigan, by the way. Great guy. Um, He said, yeah, we want to offer you... The, the cover for the uh, Brenda Jackson's next romance novel, uh, Perfect Timing. And here's the funny part about it, because when I walked in, he asked me if I had a comp card or anything, and it was still sitting on his desk, my original comp card I went to for the first oh, cast. And I'm wow. like, yeah, 
<laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's my comp card right there. And he's, oh, I thought you looked familiar. I'm like, yep. You know, if you try at first, you don't succeed. You know what they say, right? Try again. Try again. Yeah. Absolutely. So I wow. went back, man. I went back on my own merit. No agency represented representation. I went in there and um, I booked it. And I did so well um, that I did so well on the job that he offered me, you know, another one after we shot together. And um, I brought in my friend, Tamala, uh, for that one. So, you know, it was, it's always good when you can share the wealth with someone else, you know. So I brought her in and we, we shot another one. So that's two. And uh, by the way, the first one, The Perfect Timing, it was released this month, March 4th. So it's available on Amazon if anyone wants to, you know, pick that up. Ladies and gentlemen, go to Amazon.com, help out my boy Rico. He's on the cover of a novel. Please go pick it up. Now, obviously you said you've been uh, in the modeling industry for over two years now. So who are some of your favorite models and designers? Oh, man, are you kidding me? Um, it's just the list is so vast. I mean, you got a minute? <laughs> you got a minute? Hey, listen. This is the, hey, listen, man. This is your, this is your show, man. You do whatever you want. So go ahead, list them off. Hey, man. I appreciate you having me. And with that said, I got the green light to just let it all out, man. Um, if you guys are tuning in, please listen to your name, man, because I'm going to mention you. Um, I'll start off with the designers, man. Uh, Darius Gibbs for his dark apparel line. Um, he's one of my favorites. Uh, I've walked for him several times. Michael T. Cole, in fact, we share this in common because thanks to you, I was introduced to Michael T. Cole, the actor and designer. You, Derek Lewis, you're the one that sent me on his runway show casting because you mentioned me. He actually, he actually wanted you for it. And then you said, well, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really modeling right now. Uh, you, you know, you let him down easy, but you did highly recommend me, and I want to thank you on the air. I want to thank you for doing that because we developed a great relationship after that. Uh, Michael T. Cole, he's one of my favorite designers, and thank you for um, introducing me to him. No problem, man. No problem. Uh, as, uh, as I continue, I want to say uh, Adrian Alisea. I walked for him during New York Fashion Week. Uh, he's a high fashion designer, and uh, Adrian he was one of the uh, designers that I always wanted to work with, but I didn't really go into it because I was I was still working on other aspects of my portfolio and uh, right. gradually was moving towards high fashion. And he, he welcomed me in, casted me for his uh, runway show, and I wanted to send a shout-out to Adrian for that. I'm going to work with him more in the future. Uh, moving on, Adriana Marie... I know it's similar, Adriana, Adriana is male and female. So Adriana Marie, <laughs> I've walked her numerous times, totally different person. Um, she's great. Uh, I know she's li even listening right now because uh, she hit me up asking, when do, when do I go on, when do I go on? So Adriana, what's up, girl? Um, Nigel Ramsey in Connecticut, he's one of my favorite designers, too. I love walking for him. His clothes fit me so well, it's, it almost feels like it's just tailor-made for me. So it's it's like nothing. It's nothing walking for him. It's just it's just a privilege and an honor. Um, I walked for a designer named Parth Sharma recently. I actually didn't walk for him. I did a uh, product fit modeling gig for okay. him. 
And okay. yeah, he has a few lines: uh, "Filthy Etiquette," another one called "Nothing," and uh, mm. something, something unique or something. It was something. I don't want to mess it up, but I know the first word was something. <laughs> so he has three quotes lines. I tried on. He had me try on all of them. I went in there with the uh, impression I was going to try on a few shirts, but uh, it was me and another model. And uh, he said that he liked my the way the clothes fit on my body. That he wanted me to just keep going, so I just kept going, and we just snapped more pictures and more pictures, and they all ended up on his website. So um, his name's Parth Sharma. Sharma. If you ever go and you uh, go to Google and type in his name, it, there'll probably be a link that pops up, and you can go to his website and order his shirts. And um, don't be surprised when you see me on there with the virtual body. And you can spin it around, get all types of angles of the shirt and everything. That's me right there wearing the shirt. So part of trauma. Uh, Ray Vincent is another one. Uh, I walked for him in the Black Expo. And uh, Caitlin Kelly, I'm, I will be working with her pretty soon. She's relaunching her men's line, swimwear line. Uh, I had a meeting with her recently. And um, she's a great designer that I'm looking forward to, really, really looking forward to working with. And um I can't forget Phil Harris. Phil Harris is a wonderful designer. I had the ple- pleasure and privilege of walking for also. So that that's pretty much, oh, Lord, have mercy. Andrew Noel. I have not wa- walked for Andrew or, um, yeah, Andrew Noel. See, all these designers are just popping up in my head now that, that I've worked with or <laughs> want to work with. And I'm trying right. to distinguish, like, one to name, but, um, yeah, Andrew Noah, I haven't worked with him. He's from D.C. And a, a big shout-out to Ian Williams. Ian Williams, uh, he put me in one of the first shows, big shows that I ever did in D.C. Fashion Week. He took a chance on a young brother. He saw potential in me. And uh, I was a nervous wreck when I stepped on um, that audition stage. But, um, you know, he let me walk more than once for him, and he gave me some great tips. And he saw potential in me, and he told me, you're going to go far with this. And before I even had a chance to walk for that was in the beginning, before I walked for any of the other designers that I just named, Ian Williams, he had faith in me. So thank you, Ian. I know you're probably tuned in listening, so I want to send a thank you to you, a special thank you. Thank you for putting me in your show, and I look forward to working with you on future endeavors. Wow, that's a lot of um, that's a lot of designers that you that you just listed, and I mean truly, just a testament of the fact that of your work ethic. And the belief you have in your in your craft and in yourself that you're that you're willing to work hard and put the time to to hone your craft. And I mean, those that was a lot a lot of designers. So to have that under your belt is, is a is a huge huge testament to what you're you know again to what you've been working on the last couple of years. Now right. I know you're admitting it's not, you know you get the you get the platform to to thank those people. So I want to thank you for letting me give me the um, opportunity to mention their names. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, you were like I said a couple of years ago. You started. What was it like doing your very first modeling gig? How was that experience for your very first time doing your first runway gig or your first, you know, photography gig? Yeah, my um, it was it was everything that I wanted it to be and more. So doing a, a runway show the first time, stepping up on that stage and just being behind the curtain, knowing that you're going on next. And and um, the, the adrenaline rush sets in, and it's like, right. okay, I've selected. I've been through the whole process of elimination. Even when you get to the shows, sometimes 
there's another cut. And you think, damn, I, I, I made it, man. Come on, just let me walk. But, <laughs> you know, there's a limited amount of clothes, and the designers are like, we've got to make another cut, so we're going to cut some more people. But when you make it through that whole process and you end up walking, you can't, you, you can't um, feel like it's not an honor because you made it through there. And, 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 I, and I still to this day, whenever I step on a, a runway, I know that I was selected for that reason, that they saw the talent in me, and, and I still carry that, that adrenaline with me when I, when I go on that stage as soon as I step on, man. And it's a great experience. When you walk out there, you're a moving mannequin. That's what I call it. We're just we're runway mm-hmm. models. We're mannequins. We're showcasing the garment, and we're, we're, we're connecting with the camera because the camera does not lie. So you go out there with confidence, and you go out there and you feel the garment, you feel how it's supposed to be showcased, and you and you make it what it is, man. You you bring that designer's vision to life, and that's what we do. And that's what I do, man. So it was a great experience the first time I did it, and each time I do it. Okay. Now, like I said, you've been doing print modeling, and you've also been doing the runway modeling, and I know there are similarities, but but obviously there is a fine line. So what is the fine line ultimately when it comes to the print? and the runway modeling? Well, it's, it's basically just the, the main difference between runway modeling and print modeling is just the motion, man, the actual movement of it all. Um, in a picture, you know, a, a picture's worth a thousand words, but I'm sure you heard that before, but when you actually are on the stage, there's so many more words that you can just put into your movement and your, and your motion, man. And when you hit that runway and showcase the garment, you may want to do like a a certain type of turn with it and and and, and make it move to show the different parts of it. Or, or unbutton as you're walking down the runway, you might want to unbutton something if you're wearing layers so they can see the insides and stuff and what went into the garment, the stitching, all of that, man. So it's the difference is, is there's a lot, man, to, to consider. But I, I just love doing them both. Like runway is great, and uh, print work is great too. And and I just want I want to say that whenever I do a, a print job and it gets published, or it's like on a billboard or something like that, or um, yeah, something of that nature, it, it's gratifying knowing that you know I had that opportunity and that work is out there and people can see it. So that's another rewarding way, you know, that uh, print plays a, a part in my life. And uh, runway is, is great too, man. So I'm just going to continue to do them both, man. So they're, they're both just great, man. Wow. I'm sure if you were on a bus or if you're in a car and you're riding down a highway and you see yourself on a billboard, that has to be the coolest thing in the world. I mean, I know a lot of times when we see ourselves on TV and things like that, that's one thing. But to really see on a billboard, I'm sure it has to say, man, that's, that's, that's the work I did. And I'm sure that has to be a rewarding feeling. It is, man. It just makes you want to just keep doing more and more and more, man. Um, I remember when I was over in um, Ireland, I shot a um, campaign for a whiskey company called Bel- uh, called uh, Bush Mills. I was in Belfast, Ireland, and uh, they took right. us on a tour to show us our work that we put in. Uh, and it was running for a month before we got out there. And just to see it, and they, they you know, every uh, major place has their own version of Times Square. I mean, there's only one New York, you know, Times Square. But when you oh, go yeah. into the, the 
and you see their version of Times Square and you see your face on a billboard that's bigger than what you could ever imagine, it just humbles you and lets you know, like, look, man, this is real. This is not something you can take lightly. Like, you made it to this level, and and it just energizes you and fuels you to keep going, man. And, you know, that was one of the first gigs that I did. And and that, that's out the gate, Derek. Like, some people work so much and, and, and never get the chance to experience something like that. And I'm talking out the right. gate. That was one of the first gigs I got, like a huge billboard campaign. And it was just like, all right, so if this is the level right here, where do I go from here, you know? So everything right. that I do now is an effort to, like, get there again and beyond. I want to go past that. Like, I want so much out of this for me, man. The modeling is just like it's just like an avenue that, that leads to other things. And, and if I can just continue to have the success and the blessings um, – that I've been having, I just want to, you know, just make the most out of every opportunity. Wow, that's that's like I said, that's definitely speaks volumes, like we were talking about before, just work ethic, and it, I think it, it will definitely see you through. Now, what is Rico King's personal style? Like, what is your style, and what describes you? My style, uh, my personal style. I mean, I'm from the Midwest, so you know, I have. I have a uh, the, the country vibe, country boy, and then I've, I've been in the city for so long that I've adapted to the customs up here. So it's country boy meets city. That would be my style right there. In a nutshell, mm-hmm. like when you you see aspects of of uh, a southern hospitality type of kid mixed with right. a city guy. Like I've done, I've done shoots where people are like, "Where is this swag coming from? Where is this his angle?" When people try to pinpoint it, when when not knowing where my roots are, you know, so they they want right. to like, "Where is he? What's going on with him?" So that's that's my style. That's where it originates from. There, just the culmination of being from where I I'm from and being up here for so long. It's a combination of both of those. Okay. Now you said obviously you try you've traveled a bit stuff like that. What is all? What is truly the fun part of modeling? And I know, like I said, you're on the runway, you're taking pictures, but what's truly the fun part of what you do? The fun part of modeling. The the relationships that you build on the way that last, you know, not the superficial stuff, but the ones that last with the designers, right. with, with the other models. There's a whole team of, of models that that I see on a regular basis when I, I'm about to do Brooklyn Fashion Week uh, 2014. On Saturday, I'm walking for a designer named Bradley. Um, Lord have mercy. He just casted me for it, too. Bradley. His first name is Bradley. How about that? We're going to do it like that. So <laughs> okay. I just got cast. I'm going to another casting to see um, who else wants to pick me up. But I'm definitely walking for Bradley. Uh, Bradley Douglas Jordan, excuse me, that's his name. And he his his line is in the realm of where I want to go, high fashion. So it's, it's, I'm going in the right direction. And uh, his his line was uh, inspired by Alexander McQueen and McQueen. And, uh, yes. Yeah, he has the wow. mask and stuff. And um, right, right, right. Like I went to a Kanye concert or whatnot, um, the Yeezus tour, and and. 
and he didn't take his damn mask off for half of the damn show. And I'm like, okay, so I guess this is part of his his push towards his style, his line, because you know he wants to be a designer too, right? Right, right. I heard about I, that. Right. So I'm thinking to myself, where is this coming from, you know? And then I start researching it, and I remember in the song he had um, the song on the Watch the Throne album, the uh, Ball So Hard, or uh, I wouldn't say Us in Paris, but it's really Ends in Paris. But when he said, uh, "What's Gucci? My, what's drugs? My, what's that jacket? Margiela? You know when he breaks that down, mm-hmm. that line." Okay, well, when he says Marjola, I was, okay, so he's plugging the people that he's been inspired by, you know? Right. So the people that don't know the, the designers that he's been inspired by, they may see a designer that that's established, like the one I'm walking for in Brooklyn Fashion Week, like Bradley Douglas Jordan, and think, oh, that's a Yeezus bite right there. That's No, it's not. It's not. It all comes back to Alexander McQueen and, and Margiela. Like, these designers, are, they've been there. They've, they've made their mark, and they've influenced these guys to, to uh, build their brands. And I'm just privileged to be walking for a designer of that caliber in this upcoming show that I have. So, um yeah, man, it's, it's a big deal for me, man. And the the, the models along the way that, that make it fun for me, you know, the, the list goes on. But, you know, I can just name, like, Mateo Manning, uh, Jiho, uh, Eli Joseph, Lee Washington, all these guys I have great camaraderie with. And uh, when I see them at the castings, when I see them uh, out in the street, you know, those relationships right there, they're, they're long-lasting. And we, we share it. Just like me and you do, like that's one thing about you. You're quick to send me a casting if I fit the description for something. You'll email me a casting just as they will and say, "Hey, come to this," or "You should submit for this." Right. And I, and I appreciate that. Like, there's some people that aren't as generous and and aren't you know willing to do that because I don't, I don't know. It's just in some people's nature. They're like, oh no, I don't want any threats or or limit my chances of making it because of this. No, if it's in God's will, you're going to make it regardless. That's not just how I feel about it. Absolutely. Yeah, the people that I'm talking about, like Russell Lewis or Beck Chandler or uh, uh, Zoe, Zoe, Zoe Monique Cross or Everton, um, these these people right here, David Dion, Daniel Gore, Russell Lewis, I mean, I, the list goes on. They're just so great about our relationships that we can just, Share stuff between between each other and um and like show up at the casting together and do shows together, you know, and not worry about not worry about well, damn, if I you know if I wouldn't have told him to come, then maybe I would have made none. It's none of that, man. We congratulate each other. If I don't make it and you make it, then damn it, we both made it. Absolutely, you're right. That's how I and, and that's and that's how it should, and, that, and ultimately that's how it should be. I mean, obviously. It, it, you know, in, in the entertainment world, it is an ego-driven business. We all know that. But at the same token, yeah. you know, it's those that that look out for each other. You know, like guys like me, guys like you, and then people that I've known in the in the entertainment industry the last couple of years have been really helpful to me. You know, and I and I return the favor to others, just like you mentioned before. If I see something, I'm going to send it to you. But now I know the news just broke, and um, I'm going to say it on uh, on this show right now that you're in this month's Diner Original Magazine. Congratulations to you, Rico. How 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 was that? You know, how was that experience for you? You know, get get getting to be in that edition of Designer Original Magazine. 
it was huge, man. Um, it was huge just to be a part of uh, a magazine publication such as that one. It's been around for so long, and um, Mike Boogie, he casted me for it, and the the shoot was it was shot by Jose Pagan, and I've always wanted to work with him, but I didn't know what was my angle, like how how am I going to be able to work with this guy? And when when I submitted for it and then got the call back that he wanted me to do it, that Mike told me, yes, we, we want you to be a part of this shoot. And just the theme and everything, it coincided with the direction that I'm headed with high fashion because my commercial appeal is, is, is there already. You know, I'm the guy with the smile, you know, but I want to go for that high fashion um, arena. You know, I, I want those people to embrace me as well. And this was, this was, um, a catalyst for that 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 magazine right there the the pictures that were published man uh-huh. I got on a bow tie I got on a suit I'm I'm sitting in a um in a vintage scene background I mean you just got to go get the magazine just designer original magazine just type it in and, and it's an online magazine digital you can buy it there or you, you know when it comes out in May you can get it on newsstands but it's just when you're in the right place and you know it's right, like this is where I want to be, it was just such a huge deal for me to be a part of that shoot, and I documented it, man. I, that, that's one of the things that I do. I document everything that means a lot to me. You know, my camera is right by my side, like it's on my waist at all times, man, and if I feel like it's going to be a memorable moment, I'll pull that thing out, man, and I'll, and I'll, get to, I'll, I'll hand it to someone and be, just press record and be like, shoot this, I'll edit it later, just please document this for me. And that was one of the things. You can check the video if you're interested in seeing the behind the scenes of the Designer Original Magazine shoot. Um, yeah, man, it was a, a big deal for me, man. It was a big deal. And it's out now. It came out in March. Wow. That, like I said, I'm definitely going to um, pick that up. I know I had seen some stills from uh, what you did, what you were talking about, but I'm definitely going to get that uh, that, uh, that actual um, edition of that magazine. But before we go to break, I just wanted to – I know you had mentioned the uh, the Brooklyn Fashion Week. Now, where yeah. can people get tickets for that, or if, if, they're, if they're on sale, if they're if applicable, where can they find – where is it going to be, and where can they find tickets? Well, for Brooklyn Fashion Week, um, Jerry Jordan is the uh, coordinator for that. So if you go to um, any of those handles like uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and you look for Brooklyn Fashion Week and type in the current year, 2014, it will link you to that official website that you can purchase tickets for. It runs not just for one day. So you're, you're, you're bound to be able to purchase tickets for at least some somebody's, some designer's uh, line to be showcased and just to be a part of it, you know, if you want, just go to BrooklynFashionWeek.com uh, perhaps, but I don't want to give you the wrong link. So definitely look for Jerry Jordan or Brooklyn Fashion Week 2014, and that will that will help you navigate through so you can get your tickets and uh, be amongst the crowd, man, and just witness how it goes down. Uh, but if it's Saturday, I'm walking. I know that for sure because uh, Jerry Douglas, he put me in his show, man. So Saturday, if you get tickets for Saturday, come check your boy out. I'll be there. Definitely. 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 What we're going to do right now is we're going to take a small break. We're going to take a small break. And we got more with Rico King here 
on the DZ Podcast. I want to scream and shout and let it all out. And scream and shout and let it out. We saying oh, we oh, we oh, we oh. We saying oh, we oh, we oh, we oh. I want to scream and shout and let it all out. And scream and shout and let it out. What's up, everyone? Thanks for checking out the D-League Podcast. The show is live on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, here on Blog Talk Radio. You can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash the D-League Podcast, and you can listen to the show live as it happens, and you can listen to the archives on DerekTLewis.com. You can also subscribe to the D-League Podcast on iTunes, and shows are uploaded immediately following each live show. Thanks for your support, and remember, the D-League Podcast is where radio is home. Hey guys, if you like pro wrestling and if you like radio shows, then check out Monster Factory Radio, hosted by Danny Cage on blogtalkradio.com. You'll hear updates on their upcoming shows, exclusive interviews with guys on their current roster, and hear from guys who train at the world-famous Larry Sharp's Monster Factory Wrestling School that went on to wrestle for companies like Ring of Honor, ECW, WCW, and WWE. You can go on to blogtalkradio.com and iTunes and search for Monster Factory Radio and subscribe to their show. So what are you waiting for? Do it now! Welcome back. Welcome back to the D-Loop Podcast, and I'm still here shooting the breeze, as I said at the beginning of the show, with Rico King, and uh, we were just having an in-depth conversation in regards to his uh, his career, and we went all over the place with what he's been doing for just a short amount of time in the last couple of years. Rico, how's it going, brother? Rico, are you there? Okay. Okay. Now, sorry about that. Rico, are you there? Yes, no, I, I am, man. Cool, cool. Yeah, it's good to be here, man. Thank you for having me. This is my first time. It's a privilege and an honor to be on here with you, man, for the podcast. And I hope it's not the last time, man, because I, I got so much that I want to do in the future and I want to share it with your audience. Well, again, my, it's just a pleasure on mine to have you on here. And like I said, as the as time definitely moves on, this will definitely not be the uh, first stop to the Deep Podcast. And I'm sure there's going to be more in store to uh, what's going on with your career. So I want to switch a little bit and switch gears a little bit because, like I said, you have dual careers. You're kind of doing the whole Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson deal. You, you're two, you know, there's the two sport athletes, and you're doing the two things in entertainment. You're acting and you're modeling and I know I was thinking about this. It's prime time. It's prime time. It's prime time. <laughs> yes, it's prime time. That's right. Hey, listen, that's the only man to ever score a touchdown and a home run in the same day. Look at that. Little, Look at that. Little, 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 little so tidbit for the only man. I want to be the only man that's had, that's had a runway show the same night, be on television, and then – 
you see a billboard come up the next day. How about that? That's that's a great goal, right? Absolutely. It's very, very attainable. Now, I was thinking... I mean, is that too much to ask? Is that too much to ask? No, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's too much to ask. But um, okay. like I said, I was thinking about, like I said, over the weekend in regards to some models that have really converted over to the acting world and did a, a really, really good job. Like Tyra Banks, you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking about Tyra, like Tyra, the job that she's done, you know, going from you know, being a model, still being modeling and acting. And, she, and the transition was just flawless, in my opinion. Well, no, I know there are similarities with it, but how did you transition into acting? What was it that to say, you know, I want to also give this a try to? Well, let's see. How did I transition into acting from modeling? Um, I want to say, okay, it started off with background work, of course. Um, I just wanted to get my feet wet and just be on set, on the sets of the show that, that I see when I'm flipping through the channels. And, right. um, yeah, it, it was, it was more from an obser- observation point of view and just learning while, you know, working at the same time. So being, you know, in the background, sitting on the set of like Blue Bloods or Law and Order or any of the shows that, you know, I've, I've been on, it started just as background. And then, you know, once you build a rapport, show up on time, do your job well, show up in the right dress wardrobe and you start to remember names and stuff and um, you start to get calls back man and it's just for better work like featured work and then it just it it felt great man it felt great to just like this is this is working man this is working for me I have a place in here in this too so um, yeah man I just wanted to see not just if modeling was it but this I wanted to give the acting a, a good run as well, and and to get in where I could fit in, so um, yeah, man, it's it is going great right now, man. I I know it's going to get better. Well, good, good, and like I said, um, we're gonna get to um where we met a little while, but um, now as you were as you said, and I did the same thing. I was doing background. That's how I got started. You know, doing some background work here and there, just wanting to get the set experience. And I think I I'm, I do not frown upon background work. I don't do it because I feel as though that someone just starting out in the game can really understand etiquette. That etiquette, I think, is so important because I'm pretty sure you know just as well as I do that we see support set etiquette from people. You know what I mean? The minute the camera's on, they're, they think they're a superstar. Yeah. And I, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. we it's can super important. Have it. Punctuality, right. if there's any type of advice we can give anyone out there um, go, go, do do your background. Don't feel bad about it that you're in the background because that stuff will lead to other opportunities. And I'm I'm a living example, walking example of that. And so is the the man that's interviewing me right now. Um, yeah, we can, this is a segue towards some of the principal stuff that we did together, man. We've done reenactments on TV One together, um, Discovery ID. I mean, the list goes on, man. Brain games, uh, deceived. Me and me and this guy that I'm talking to, Derek. Will you tell Will you tell them the type of you know the type of stuff that we've been doing together? Sure. Let's get that was going to come later, but you know what? You jumped the gun. We're gonna, we're going to do it right now. So, um, I think it was about, about two summers ago. Um, I had got the I had sent in for this show called Deceived. It was a brand new TV show that was going to be going on TV One. 
We didn't know what this whole thing was about. We didn't know anything. All I knew was that I had we to show up. Say it again. We didn't even. We didn't even know each other. We didn't know each other. No, I think I met you. I think when I got to set. So yeah. I think when I first, I think the thing that came out of your mouth when you met me was, "You must be the killer." And I'm like, "Yes." And I said, "You know what? This day is going to go." <laughs> and that was a perfect way to start off the day because I played. Just to kind of give you guys a, um, a breakdown of what happened, Rico, this episode that, that me and Rico played on was called Till Death Do Us Part, and it was about, it was a real-life situation, guys, real story. Um, a man hired a hitman to kill his pregnant wife while he yes. was doing his little cheating on the side. And, right. And Rico was, was, was portraying the husband, and I was portraying Albert. the hitman. He was playing Albert. I was playing Jeffrey Thompson. And we, I think we shot, if I'm not mistaken, we shot in Brooklyn that one day. I think I had to do just that one deal at that pub and somewhere in Brooklyn. And then the next day we had to go somewhere in Jersey to go film. But um, as soon as, you know, as soon as you and I had just, you know, had that one little, hey, you must be the killer. As soon as he saw me walking in the door, and I knew it was going to be a good day. And just the, the one thing I, I, I will say this this much, and um, you can um, – you can add to this as well, is that I feel as though that when you have a really good, you know, connection and when you have a really good working relationship with somebody on set, especially when you're going to, somebody that you're going to have multiple scenes with, I think it just adds the, the um, I guess, the authenticity of the scene because you really, it almost looks real. When you and I, if you ever look at that episode back and it's just, just the way the engagement was, it seemed like you and I had known each other for years, and I had just only known you a day and a half, two days top. I mean, if that's, I mean, if I can go on and say that, that that was definitely the case. It was just so much fun. Yeah, you're definitely right about that, man. Um, the vibe that you put out there, it carries on, it carries into the scene, and uh, we we established that early because I, I sized you up. I knew. Like, you had to have some type of significant role in it without you even telling me what your role was. I'm like, man, this guy, he, he has to be the killer because I read the synopsis and I was like, if he's not the killer, then why wasn't he casted as the killer? <laughs> you know, and, and, and you're such the opposite of a killer, Derek. You're such a nice guy. And, <laughs> you know, when the camera when the camera went on and you did your job so well, I was sometimes even, like, captivated by, man, is this the same guy right here that I'm talking to? Like, we had our one-on-one scenes, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm talking to you, and you're looking at me with this, 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 and you have this body language and this intimidating look, and I'm thinking, this guy is for real. He's the real deal right here. Like, he's looking at me like he wants to actually, you know, do something right now. So, you know... It, it was just a great feeling to know that I was with a bona fide actor such as yourself, man, and, and you brought the best out of me. So, you know, we carried that thing, man. We we did our thing in that, man, and I, and I love watching that episode. Sometimes I even go back to it and take notes and, and, and see the the parts where we weren't really acting. It was just, it was just you know, natural, us just being each other, but we, we were there, though, you know, in the moments of right. being our character. And if I'm, if, if I'm not mistaken, there was quite a few times where I know a lot of times they have to get, you know, they have to do, shoot from one angle, then they have to do it from another angle. But it was going by so well that we just kept going through scene after scene after scene because there was really no 
there was really no errors going on. I think sound was perfect. You, you know, obviously yeah. you can't, um, you know, the color, everything was, everything was great. So there was really was no, there was, we were we were knocking it out. We were knocking it out scene by scene. And 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 just to uh, remember the moment of uh, I I gotta say when you came around the corner with that belt and you was about to strangle my um, my my wife Janet Janet Fiki. She played the character that um, that was my wife. The real actress name is Janet Fiki. Shout out to Janet. But uh, when you came around that corner getting ready to kill her, she was pregnant, and y'all took off down the hallway, and it was in slow motion. I wasn't even there. I had wrapped already, and I wasn't there that day when you guys shot that. And I was like, you know, good luck, Derek. You know, um, I'll talk to you later. And um, and I and I and I left. But when I got to see it. And I got to see you come around that corner. I was like, man, this guy is putting in work. He did his thing. He did his job. So I commend you for that, man, because it was believable to me. And just to know that, just to know that you're the same guy with the cam, with the you were the cameraman in an episode uh, from Brain Games, and you had that big cheesy grin on your face. I'm like, does anybody know that he was a killer on another network? <laughs> That they listen. That that's that's the action business, brother. You know what I mean? Like you got you got you got you got to show a multitude of different. You you have to show variety. You know what I'm saying? Because if you're one dimensional, that's all you're gonna be. And that's one thing I definitely try to bring. That's definitely what I try to bring there. And um, you know that day that you left. It was you know that was an all day shoot for me because we had to knock those scenes out you know the, the multitude of me standing outside and all this other stuff with the cigarette waiting for the cops and all that stuff I got to tell you like I have to mentally get in that frame of mind because I'm thinking oh my god like I've never I've never harmed uh, anybody before you know what I mean like harmed anybody you know in the malicious standpoint and really get myself but in the frame of mind of, I have to look, I have to look this part. But just enough though, like that 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 right there could sell it. But you went in in depth though, like you really was like, all right, look, the camera does not lie. We both know that. And and, and if right. anybody out there wants to know, if you if you're not believable, the camera will definitely expose it that you're not believable. This guy was a killer that day. So when they said cut, you might want to just check just in case. Like, are you sure that you out of character? Because you got that belt still. Why don't you lay the belt down there? <laughs> Make sure everything's okay. You're gonna move on yeah. to the next thing. Right, right, right. I, mean, I know there was one moment. Was, there was one moment though, Rico, where I got to get this one in. There was one moment when we were shooting, and, I, and I'm pretty sure you know where I'm going with this. And we were, you were ad libbing, and you were ad libbing, and you had said something in the wrong. To and this wasn't even in the line. You were saying, "Yeah, man, that's the stuff that'll get you killed." I do. That was an outtake. That was an outtake. I wish I could get a hold of that footage. I would love an outtake reel from the TV show to see. We had such a great time, and they allowed us, they gave us liberty to ad-lib. You know, it didn't, of course, it wasn't the context of the story, so they didn't keep it. But, yeah, we had some great moments in there that, that didn't matter. Oh, Moving on, we worked on another project together. Remember um, Model Pranksters, and we both were casted as security guards. Yes, yes, that was uh, that was last summer. And um, shout out to uh, Kobe Person, who's going to be on in another couple of weeks. I had uh, I reached out to him; he said he uh, he would agree to do it. And that's um that's going to be coming in the um in the next several weeks. Uh, that um, that deal, you actually uh, helped me get that gig. 
you know, we were, um, in case anybody hasn't seen, uh, Model Pranksters, obviously, is a growing online um, online channel um, for various pranks that have been played on people around the country. Kobe Person, vicious young man that definitely wants to make his mark, you know, in television, modeling, and everything else. And uh, this particular... Um, so he's a guest? He's your uh, upcoming guest? Excuse me? Is he one of your upcoming guests on the show? He will be in the next couple of weeks. He will be on. So we're definitely going to um, talk a little bit more about I got a the I got whole, a plan for that one. Show. Definitely, definitely. But um, we just did something in Times Square. I don't want to give it away because I definitely want to talk to uh, definitely get with Kobe about that. But um, we like I said, me and Rico have done a lot of different things together. You know, over the last couple of years, you know, I know we did our uh, brain games. We we're playing football players and all that stuff, talking about you know oh how the eye. Yeah, the, oh. right. And the, like eye coordination with the ball and everything, how the brain works and stuff like that. So that was that was a fun couple of days for us to uh, have the shoulder pads on and um, the football, you know, the football garb and cleats and helmets. And I had, had a little bit of an injury, um, pull <laughs> pull a little muscle there, but you know we're not gonna talk about that right now. But you I know, think we all happened. did. I think we all did. I played the uh, defensive end and the wide receiver. Um, yeah, yeah. We're there, and I remember, I remember us showing up on set. The sun wasn't even up yet. It was like five thirty in the morning, and we had to wait till a certain daylight uh, casted before we even went out on the field. It was fun, though. I mean, I know it was cold, oh, <laughs> but God. it was fun. It must have been cold. Yeah, remember how we fun, just kept counting down where the um the, the, we wanted the sun to come out. Like once the sun came out, everything was fine. But prior to sun prior to sunrise, it was just so cold out there. We had to stretch in the cold. And I didn't even know yeah. you were doing that gig. Like, I was on the bus just sitting, you know, sitting, you know, waiting for, you know, for us to uh, go onto the field. And I just see you. You turn around. And I said, oh, it's Rico. And, it, again, it's just one of those things. When you've seen someone you've worked with before, it just makes the whole experience a lot more, a lot better. But um, with that, yeah, so I was going to ask you, um, you recently did a reenactment as Michael Jackson, and that's the one I really wanted to talk about. Now, how was it portraying one of the greatest performers of all time, and where can anyone find that footage? Okay, all right. Um, yeah, Michael Jackson, I did it at, I believe it was for the same network. It was for TV One, um, a show called Celebrity Crime Files, which documented, it chronicled the life of Michael Jackson from a child to his demise. And uh, that episode came out, uh, coincidentally, on the release of Conrad Murray, the guy that um, was responsible, he, he was found guilty for uh, giving him that overdose of the drug that he was addicted to. So um, yeah. Yeah, I did that. I did that, and I played Michael during the off-the-wall period because you know Michael. He had his his complexion phases where it was like thriller, then you got bad, and then he got a little bit lighter. And I played the off-the-wall phase is what I'm telling you. So it, it was a great fit for me. They threw the wig on me. And I got into character, and um, I grew up emulating Michael, so it was nothing for me to just to just move like him. That was a, a that was a definitely a, a present, like a given, that I was going to get that part um, when the casting director reached out to me because it was a picture submission that I that I submitted, and then they right. wanted to see video of me dancing, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I remember I was at the gym. I was at the gym, and I was like, man, wait till I get home. I'm finna tear this up. And I got home, and um, we got the video submission to them. They said they would get back to me uh, shortly, within a half an hour. 
uh, they called me back and within five minutes and said, yes, you're the one. And I was on set like two days later, and I was on that stage, and I just wanted to represent him in the best light possible because I knew that I had it in me, and I wanted it to come across on camera. And um, it did, man. It did. And that footage right there, there's sometimes where I look at the footage and it's kind of eerie because I see some stuff that I'm doing that is so on point that it makes me feel like I'm watching him. And that's, that means my job was done well. I, I mean, when I first saw that video, it, I don't want to say it was scary, but it, it was the guys. You really have to check this out when when this all, when the devil comes on. It, because that is Rico King on Celebrity Crime Files playing Michael Jackson during the off the wall period. The the the, the moves, everything you could possibly think of that that Michael Jackson did, dancing, Rico King emulated it to the T. And that is a huge, huge, you know, testament to your dedication to the craft. Now, my Michael Jackson dancing experience lasted for about maybe five seconds. Um, and for those, for, for some of our older listeners that may have uh, seen uh, Motown 25 back in 1983 when Michael Jackson uh, debuted the moonwalk. moonwalk. True story. Yeah. Yes. True story. True story. I think the minute that Motown 25 went off, because I was a big Michael Jackson fan, you know, back then, you know, during the Off the Wall, the the Thriller, and all this other stuff, that whole wave that was happening back in the early 80s, I decided to go in my room, and I had wooden floors, and I tried to do the moonwalk and got a splinter in my foot. Never again. Uh (laughs) Never again. True story, ladies and gentlemen. True story. And I think I was, I I had uh, quite a few tears in my eyes, and my mom had to come in and get the, get the tweezers and get the splinter out. But, man, that thing hurt. And I said, okay, that was the first and the only time I will ever try to do the moonwalk. That's a, that's a true story. But, um, well, the, first, the only time you ever try to do it would probably just socks on a barefoot. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. Well, to see if we, but, again, when you're five, you know, you really don't do anything with any type of precaution. You just go out and do it anyway. <laughs> so there you have it. But I'm pretty sure it's maybe maybe someday I'll, I'll try a moonwalk there. But um, I wanted to ask you, um, mm-hmm. what are some of the things, and obviously, you know, you're modeling, you're, you're, you're doing all types of things, you're acting. What are, what are the things you do to keep yourself in tip top shape? Oh man. Uh, my gym regimen. Yeah. It's more, it's more about being consistent. It's not, it's not going there and dedicating a, a, a lot of hours or anything. It's just being consistent, making it a lifestyle rather than, um, damn, i got to go to the gym. It's, it's just got to become a habit that becomes a part of your life. So exactly. I eat right as much as possible. Um, yeah, I stay away from fast foods. There's no soda going on. Um, I'm a social drinker, but, I, I you know, I don't really um, – I, I take, like, myofusion protein to just put it out there. You know, uh, myofusion, please cut me a check or something if somebody's listening because um, <laughs> I deserve that. Um, yeah, man, I, I just go to the gym at least four times a week. Um, definitely push-ups, pull-ups, and different angles. You can't just do push uh, pull-ups and or push-ups in just one angle and expect to hit every area that you want to. Um, yeah, man, just make make it a a point to get to that gym. Make it make it make it there. You know, it's it's a big part of just your life and living a better life and, and just being in uh being ready and staying ready for any opportunity. 
their submissions that come across my emails so much that, that require uh, certain physical attributes, and they want your shirt off, and they want someone that's cut or lean. And I know those are trigger words and in, in, in my characteristics that I, I see those, and I'm like, yeah, I can submit for that. Yeah, I can submit for that. Well, the reason why is that I've dedicated my myself to being consistent. And you know, right. and it's easy to fall off. It's easy, but uh, just just keep on. Whoever's out there and then they're thinking about doing it, just jump in there and do it, man. Just jump in there and do it. It's, it's better to just go go full full force with it, and instead and just don't stop talking about it, man. Just because I was a, a a rail like really skinny, like bone skinny, man, like Ethiopian skinny. Now, I'm exaggerating. I wasn't Ethiopian skinny, but <laughs> but man. I saw what I wanted to look like, and I saw who I wanted to stand in line with at these castings, and, I'm, and I went for it. And and I'm still not where I want to be. I haven't attained exactly where I want, but I'm I'm at a point physically where I can look in the mirror and be proud of myself and be happy. You know, so just be consistent. Definitely. Now, getting getting a little bit back to acting. Now, is there an actor out there that you enjoy watching and want to learn from? Yeah, man. Um, I always tune in to uh, people like Kevin Spacey. Um, I like his acting. Uh, I really liked him in, in The Negotiator, you know. And and just like there's certain people that um, aren't on the radar that aren't major actors, but they're friends of mine, too, and I learned from them. So, um yeah, if I mentioned their names, you wouldn't know, but they're just personal friends of mine that, that have taught me. You know, I watched them, like Jabari Gray. He's a mentor of mine. He's a great actor. Uh, yeah, man, just, you know, just personal friends and, um, and, and, a, and a few celebrities. I, I just watched, tonight I watched the Dallas Buyers Club, and uh, Jerry Leto, he gave a performance that, you know, will be remembered forever in that. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so I'm I'm sure you can attest to that. If, if whoever's seen it, you know what I'm talking about. That was a tremendous performance that he gave. And um, not only him, but, I mean, Matthew McConaughey, he did his thing too. And, you know, that's why they got the awards at the Oscars. They deserved them. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I can say about that, man. I, I commend commend all those guys, man. And then I look and I take notes from whoever. I can be on set with someone I've never met before, but, if if I see something, a tool or a trait that they they do that I feel like that I'm capable of doing, it, I'll even ask them about them. Like, how did you do that? How how right. how can I how can I tap into that, man? Show is there some suggestion you can give me so I can get that in in that moment like you did? You know, it's just about being open and, and building that conversation with them and, and finding out, you know, how how you can get a little bit of that. Okay, now. When the cameras are off, you know, when you're when you're not, you know, when you're not doing any modeling, if you're not doing any acting, what do you do for fun? What do you what, what's the end of life with Rico? You know, without any modeling or any acting, anything going on, what is it that you like to do for fun? Man, for fun, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do for fun, man? Um, say, hold on, real quick. Say it again. Hang out with the boo. <laughs> we got people in the back <laughs> um, I chill I chill man um, 
I just take it easy and relax, man, and and um, you know, just just have fun with the people that know me the best. You know, know me well, the know the, the the essence of Rico King, and and I can just be myself without any inhibition. Just just relax, man. Just be myself. You know, I can't. I I, I would say go to the movies and go out and play sports and do all that, but I don't do all that, man. I just want to just chill and just relax, sit on the couch or go on go on YouTube or, or, or World Star and watch some Vine videos and sit here and laugh my ass off, man. Oh, do it for the Vine, right? Do it for the Vine. Do it, do it for the Vine, man. How about that? That's what I do for fun. I watch Vine videos, okay? I watch yeah. Vine videos. I watch uh, interviews uh, of... Um, of people that that inspire me, stuff like that. Um, I'm reading a, a book for the second time uh, by Billy Riggs. Uh, that's it's pretty good to dig in that and find out what I can identify with. Um, it's called Megatudes, and uh, it goes over the Megatudes, like this, different different ways to explore your attitude and uh, become a better person. I just want to better myself, so I find that fun and interesting to find out where I can you know, enhance and be the best person that I can be, you know? Okay. Now, I know you got to get out of here, but um, I just wanted to ask, um, where can my where can my listeners find you on social media? Well, they can start by, um, let's go Instagram, uh, rking6312. My last name is King, so K-I-N-G. That's rking6312. Uh, you can search me on Facebook. Uh, Rico King. Uh, it's best to do R King sixty three twelve at yahoo dot com. Search by email. It's simple, and you'll find find me there. Um, no Twitter handle, so just Instagram and Facebook, and that's the best way, man. Um, yeah, that's the best way to find me, and just just look for me. If you see me out in the street, man, just shout me out. I'll definitely shout you back, man. Well, this is again, Rico. This has been an, an amazing, you know, interview. You know, actually, this is my second of of many interviews down the road. But um, again, I want to thank you personally for coming on to the show. People know just who you are and where you where you're at and where you're going. And again, it's been a pleasure to have done some some wonderful things with you in the entertainment business for the last couple of years. And again, I'm sure that would not. Be, that would not definitely not be the last. I don't know if there's going to be some things. My goal, and I'm going to tell you right here, right now, my goal is to do some type of bad boys type of movie with you. That's something that we have to do. That's we something we're going to have to do. Yes. Speak it into existence. <laughs> yes, indeed. If there's a bad, if, if if there's a bad boys three or whatever it is, book Rico King and Derek T. Lewis by all means, because I'm telling you, it'll be worth your while. But um. Rico, it's been you know, a pleasure to have you. Gonna do it? You know who's going to do it for us? Jonathan, Jonathan Rena, Jonathan Rena um, of uh, Misfits and Scoundrels. Shout out to him because he always keeps me in mind for parts of his uh, his series, Misfits and Scoundrels, and he will he will get behind us on this man and bring us back together to be on set in some full fledged speaking roles, man. So shout out to him. Uh, that can would I just be great. like a few more shout outs real quick? Absolutely. Because I'm going to make it quick, man. Valerie Cabrera from Artistry Model and, and Talent Management. I just signed with her. She's my Philadelphia representative. Uh, Leela Green 
Calvin David Edwards of Forever Young Agency, Barbara, Urban Gypsy, and all the photographers that ever took pictures of me, uh, Hank Pegaron, uh, Joe Nunez, Ron Motts, Norman Ding, Kevin Higgins, Jody Murphy, Yasmin, Yasmin Anderson, and Jonathan Diaz, man. Uh, the list goes on, but I know that, you know, I got to go. But I will be back. I, w- I promise you guys I will be back. And thank you for tuning in and listening, man. And thank you, Derek, for having me, man. I enjoyed myself. All right, man. Well, the pleasure's been on mine, and we'll definitely be talking soon. Ladies and gentlemen, that right there was Rico King. And we'll be right back with more with the d Podcast. Don't go anywhere. What's up, everyone? Thanks for checking out the Dilu Podcast. The show is live on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific here on Blog Talk Radio. You can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash the Dilu Podcast, and you can listen to the show live as it happens, and you can listen to the archives on DerekTLewis.com. You can also subscribe to the Dilu Podcast on iTunes, and shows are uploaded immediately following each live show. Thanks for your support, and remember, the Dilu Podcast is where radio is home. Welcome back once again to the Dilu Podcast. And um, i got to tell you, that interview with Rico King was, was a lot of fun. And, again, this is a, this is a guy that I personally worked with on, on numerous occasions for, for various different uh, projects, you know, for the last couple of years that I've been acting. And he is a special talent. And, again, I, I'd definitely like to showcase those that are, that are working extremely hard at what they do and what they love to do. And, again, I would love to have Rico back on, you know, definitely somewhere down the road. But um, like always, for the second time, always, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to talk some news. So I give you, ladies and gentlemen, the d News. Um, How about this? Um, How an 82-year-old fought off an intruder. Um. When an intruder enters George Bradford's Detroit duplex through the basement window on Sunday, the sprightly 82-year-old fought back using a hammer. He said, quote, I knew something. 
was abnormal about him. He said of the intruder. Bradford told ABC News Detroit affiliate WXYZ that he wanted to protect his family, including his mother, who is in her 90s and lives upstairs, lives in an upstairs unit at the home, his daughter, and grandchildren. Officers found a 33-year-old male suspect bleeding from his head in the living room. The police said suspect, whose name has not been released, was treated for his injuries and arrested for home invasion. So the moral to the story is, is that um, don't uh, don't intrude on somebody's home. It might be an 82-year-old man that's going to hit you in the head with a hammer, and it's going to make you bleed. Moving on to some uh, much happier news. Um, there's a report that how your smartphone pics could make you thousands. Now, there was a woman by the name of Dina Valarose knows that she said that she knows that each click of her camera on her smartphone could mean more money in her bank account. You know, Valarose of Hollywood, Florida, says she made more than three hundred dollars selling sixty-eight of her pictures from breakfast to sports to nature through a free app called Hope. F like Frank, photographs the big brands like MasterCard and use it for advertisements. Each photograph on folks sells for $10. The owner gets five and folks gets five. So she said, quote, the picture that I've, sold, that I've sold the most is us parasailing, people parasailing. Business is booming according to folks because it's much cheaper for companies to buy stock photos from sites like folks than actual professionals. Folks said that half its users were making money and that half were raking in. The app's user base has grown 25% in the last financial quarter as the company seeks to win their, their share of a $4 billion market for stock photos, competing against long-time stakeholders, iStock, Getty, and Associated Press. Okay, so um, I can now make money on pictures that I take, including selfies. Okay, sounds like an ideal situation to me. <laughs> All right. Now, um, moving on to the sports world. Um, today, obviously, at 4 p.m., began free agency for the National Football League. And one of the one of the surprising moves that I found long-time defensive end for the Dallas Cowboys, DeMarcus Ware, is no longer a member of the Dallas Cowboys. Per ESPN, um, Dallas Fort Worth, the Cowboys have released their all-time leading in sacks, saving. $7.4 million against salary cap, but creating the need to find a pass rusher for the defense that's been struggling to get a quarterback, to get to the quarterback in 2013. Now, DeMarcus Ware put up 117 sacks in nine seasons with the Cowboys, earning Pro Bowl honors every year from 2006 to 2012, but had a career low of six sacks in 2013 and missed the first three games with quadriceps strain. Ware, who turns 32 in July, was set to count on $16.003 million against the cap with $12.25 million base salary. Um, Jerry Jones said, a decision like this involving a man who is, who is a cornerstone player in the history of your franchise is extremely difficult. The Cowboys selected Ware in the first round of the 2005 draft, number 11 overall, and then Coach Bill Parcells immediately compared him to Lawrence Taylor. The Cowboys moved to a 3-4 defense and where it became one of the most dominant pass rushers in the NFL, earning all-pro honors six times. He even had a streak of seven seasons with at least 11 sacks. He had 20 sacks in 2008 and 19.5 sacks in 2011. Only Hall of Famer Reggie White, 15 sack seasons in a career than where. So, um... It's, it, that's that's one of the aches and pains of um, free agency, and that's what I guess you could say free agency, but also with the woes of um of, of salary cap. And, and if there's cap space for you, that's great. But the Cowboys, I know, were way over the salary cap, and they definitely have to trim the fat. I'm pretty sure Demarcus Ware is going to bounce back. <clears throat> the, the Patriots, <clears throat> the Patriots. Hopefully, he can land somewhere where he where he can truly be with a contender, because this guy has been really 
playing out of his mind, you know, all of his career. And I definitely would love to have him somewhere where, you know, he can at least try to um, earn something. Because I know the Cowboys are definitely going to lose a leader, you know, in DeMarcus wearing that locker room. And um, like I said, hopeful for the best with DeMarcus and hope he can land somewhere. And uh, finally in sports, um, Phil Jackson and the New York Knicks are expected to finalize a deal that will give the legendary coach control of the club's front office by the end of this week, according to a league source. And this is actually reported by Chris Broussard of um, ESPN New York, who does a phenomenal job reporting, you know, for the NBA. Um, Everything is pretty much done, the source said. There are just some little things here and there that need to be worked out, but the Knicks are very confident that this is essentially done. An official announcement might not come until next week, the source said. There have been speculation that Jackson is using the Knicks to get the top flight job with another franchise, particularly the Los Angeles Lakers, but the source says the Knicks have no fear of Jackson leaving them at the offer for another team. I really don't know what to say um, with this because I know, obviously, Phil Jackson is engaged to um, Jim Buss's sister, Jeannie Buss, and I don't know how this is all going to work out with the Knicks. And what bothers me about this the most is the fact that they are openly doing this right now, especially with all that's going on. The Knicks aren't doing as well this season, as well as Carmelo Anthony openly said at the beginning of the season that he was going to opt out of his contract to go into free agency. And there's poor Mike Woodson who to me has done a phenomenal job coaching the New York Knicks. They had a winning season last year, you know what I mean? And um, he's, he's done a really good job with the team. So if you're Mike Woodson, you have to you have to feel bad as far as, okay, wh- okay, what does this mean for me? You know, if they're bringing in Phil Jackson to run this team, am I going to be part of the plan, you know, to, you know, to be the head coach of this franchise? So I'm sure the next couple of weeks is going to be extremely interesting and, uh, at Madison Square Garden in uh, New York City. So uh, so with that, that was the end of the Dealer News. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to wrap up the, the second edition of the Dealer Podcast. And again, there will never be a second because we just did it today. And again, I want to thank all of my listeners truly, like I said before, without you, this show won't would not be as successful. And again, I definitely appreciate all the love and support you guys have given me, you know, these last few weeks, especially, you know, leading up to my first show last week with Tanya and then this week's um, interview with uh, Rico. I will make I will make an announcement later on this week in regards to next week's show and in regards to who's going to be on. But as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the real DT Lou. You can visit my website, DerekTLewis.com, and now you can now because I know there were some issues last week, but you can now subscribe to my show. You can put in the search engine the DLU podcast. You can now subscribe to my show on iTunes. In regards to my website, that will be that will be fixed in the next couple of weeks. In regards to uploading my show on my website as well. But again, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. Till next week, take care of yourselves.